in Maine, there's an expression I heard there was. Once upon a time, I heard there was an expression in Maine, and I didn't, I thought it was just a joke. And uh, I spent, I've spent some time in Maine when I was in school up in Boston. We used to go up there and quite a bit, and I heard it myself. I heard it myself. Someone said it to me right out of their own mouth, earnestly. I'd stopped. I didn't know where I was going. I went, went up to a convenience store to ask for directions. And the clerk looked back at me and he said, You can't get there from here. Actually said it. <laughs> you can't get there from here, if you didn't understand what I just said. The main accent. You know, men do have trouble asking for directions. It's true. It's a stereotype, and there's a good reason for it. How much more in Maine, then? You know, if you live in, a Maine, in Maine and, and, uh, and maybe you're driving with a, with a guy, a man who's uh, lost, there's no way that he's going to get out at and ask for directions. I mean, he's just going to tell the car, look, he's just going to say, you can't get there from here, so I'm not going to stop and ask for directions. What keeps us from seeking the help that we need? And we're in a series where we're asking uh, sort of tough questions about ourselves. There, there are things that are hard to say. It's hard to say, I'm sorry. It's hard to say, ouch, that hurt. It's hard to ask for help. The reason that we have so much trouble saying these words is, is pride. It's pride. Now, it's not the kind of pride that we have in a, in a, a child's painting or, or in, a, in a job well done. It's the kind of pride that we all have just because we have so much. We're independent. Half the world would look at your life and say, wow, you really have it all together. Half the world would look at you. Maybe you feel like you just have or sort of an average person, average American. Half the world would look at you and say, look where you live. Look what you do and can do. Look who you know and all your connections. Pride keeps us independent. It keeps us from the kind of interdependence for which we are designed. Pride keeps us from what Solomon calls the wisdom and the counsel of many. Hear God's word from Proverbs eleven, fourteen. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. I like, to, I like the translation, or I like to put it this way. It's, it is that there is wisdom in the counsel of many. Wisdom in the counsel of many. Now imagine that, that you, you had uh, enough humility to ask for directions for how to get to the coast of, of uh, Louisiana, and it's 2005, August. Katrina has just hit, and you're driving in, and you see thousands and thousands of those grocery bags that you get at Publix, all in the trees and the bushes, and you think to yourself, this place will never recover. You see foundations cracked. You see bridges just completely toppled like dominoes. 
But then you see on every parking lot of every church, people moving, active, doing something. That was my experience. In 2005, right after Katrina hit, I was there about a week later and went down to First Pres Ocean Springs. And a lot of people from this church, I know, went to the same place, First Pres Ocean Springs. Sort of a staging ground for recovery for Hurricane Katrina. And what will never leave me is the image of this usually often sort of invisible network, powerful network of people. Nobody, nobody activated it. Nobody called up and just said, okay, uh, local church, get busy. Christians, bring your clothes. Find some generators. You know, stockpile Clorox. You know, bring your work gloves and your masks. Come on down to the air. Nobody, nobody just said, hey, uh, Christian church, come do this right now. And uh, yet it happened. And in the middle of all that, Not only was it amazing to see just that the church alone, not the government, right? Not not service organizations, as as great as all these things are, necessarily necessarily as all these different other organizations are. The Christian church, only the Christian church, was up to the task. It was just incredible to see this nationwide network of people come and serve together. And, and in the middle of all that, watching that picture and, and being so impressed and amazed at, at, at this movement of people, this mobilization, I realized just how interdependent we really are. You know, so often we, we go through our days and we think, you know, because of the bank account or because of the job or because of who you know, where you live and what you can do, we often think, That we don't need anybody. But how amazing it is when crisis reveals to us our need for each other. Paul has a council of many. Let's take a look at who should be in your council of many by looking at the four kinds of people that Paul has in his. Every one of us needs wisdom in the council of many. We're interdependent. When we have a council of many, our plans find wisdom. Our plans find a straight path. Who is in your council? Who are the people around you? What kind of people around you do you have? Paul has four different kinds of people. People behind him, beside him, within him, and before him. Let's take a look. First of all, Paul has people Behind him, He had one in particular, one person in particular behind him. Think of the kinds of people that, that are behind you. Think of your teachers, right? The people in your life, in your past, that, that maybe need a phone call or a, or a note. It reminds me of the guy who said, you know, every once in a while when I'm reading a, a good book, you know, one that, that's difficult to understand and I, I, I get it, you know, I just pause and I thank my teacher. And he said, well, I used to until she got an unlisted number. Anyway, there are people in your life, in your past, teachers, coaches, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, 
neighbors, friends, people who have stood behind you with encouragement. You need encouragers. A, a, a guy that is very accomplished, I was having lunch with him one time, very accomplished. You know, seemingly like somebody who, who, you know, who you know, where you live, what you can do. He's that guy. And he said to me when I was young, he said to me, he said, Tim, you cannot live without affirmation. Nobody can. It's like water. It's like water to a, to a tree. Encouragement and affirmation. We need them. Paul had someone in his life named Barnabas. Barnabas, Barnabas means son of encouragement. You know, originally, his name was Joseph. You know, here's, here's what it says in Acts 4.36. Acts 4, verse 36. That's Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. A Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the, the apostles' feet. Who, what kind of a guy was, was Barnabas? Barnabas was a guy who was a provider. He was an overseer. He was someone that everybody would look to for leadership and guidance. Somebody who was one of the pillars of the community. Somebody who was enabling and empowering ministry and mission to happen. He was one of those guys. And what did he do for Paul? He opened the door for Paul. People didn't trust Paul. Paul was named Saul of Tarsus. Saul was one of the greatest renowned uh, persecutors of the church at the time. When he walked in and there was a group of Christians, they, they must have thought the game's up, we're all going to die. But here is Barnabas opening the door, assuring the disciples assuring the community, this rising movement of Christians, that he's okay. There are people like that in your life. People who've opened the door for you. You know, every now and then, you know, Benjamin likes to watch Shark Tank. <laughs> you ever watch Shark Tank? Those people are mean. They're mean. And I know it's entertainment, and they're all trying to be the Simon Cowell of the business world, but, but they're mean. And they've forgotten Somebody opened the door for them. Somebody continues to fan their flame, to stoke their fire, to water the tree. Who do you have in your life? Do you know who it is? Can you picture them? Not just someone in your distant past. Do you have people in your life that you know are your great encouragers? How do you respond to them? How do you reflect back at them? How do you thank them? Every one of us needs people behind them. We all must have affirmation and encouragement. You can't live without affirmation. So that's the first kind of person in your council of many. People behind you, someone behind you, like Paul and Barnabas. You say, well, I know Barnabas and Paul, they, they didn't get along all the time. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But they made up, they made up. You know, Barnabas took... Took Paul on his first on their first missionary journey. And Paul began to emerge as a leader. And so Barnabas very intentionally gave him space and room to grow. Do you have people like that in your life? People behind you enough to author your success. People beside you. In your council of many, you need people beside you. 
friends, peers, people who are, are, are sort of on your same level, uh, equal to you, people that you reach out to and accountable and, and people that are friends. You need people beside you, not just behind you, beside you in your counsel of many. There's a guy named Jeff Kim who uh, has been planting churches in France. Younger guy, younger than me, and uh, I helped open some doors for him. And he, uh, he called me up one time and he said, I, I want to talk to you about coaching. And I said, great, let's make an appointment. And, um, and so we set an appointment for the next week. And I thought to myself, between the time he called me and the time that we had our phone appointment, I thought, oh, that's really nice. That's a lot. I, I really appreciate him reaching out to me and asking for my, my counsel, my coaching, um, for me to be able to pour into his life, you know, I, you know uh, to, for me to be able to give him the benefit of some of the things that I've learned. So I thought. I called him and I said, how are you doing? He said, great, I want to talk to you about coaching. And I said, well, yeah, that's great. I, I really appreciate that. He said, yeah, well, uh, let me tell you how it works. I started to think, this is a little different than what I thought it might be. If I'm the coach and you're the coachee, why don't I tell you how it works? He said, well, here's how it is. I, I've, I've, been in this, I've been in this for the last couple of years, this, this um, training program to become a coach. And I want to coach you. Well, you know, th- there was that little catch in my gut. It's like, you want to coach me? Right? Oh, you want to coach me? Pride. That little catch, you know what that's called? Pride. That's what it's called. And I, I, I just listened to him. I heard him out. I listened to him. And he told me all about what he was doing and what his plans were and how he thought... He could help me, and I said, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. And, you know, it's been fantastic. I've loved it. I've really looked forward to my, you know, this guy's probably 10 years younger than I am. But he has such good questions. And, I, you know, I consider him in my peer group, and, 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 and yet, you know, he, he's functioning in a particular way as a peer, to bring up my best, not, not the idea that, you know, in, in, in an old age, you know, it used to be that mentors, they were sort of, uh, and coaches, they were, they were older, wiser, they had it all figured out, and their underlings, their protégés knew nothing, right? <laughs> well, what a waste. There are all kinds of ways that people can coach us. Paul says in, in Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he says this to the uh, Roman church. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Here's Paul, a hero. Somebody who's done more. Somebody who has, has bled. Somebody who's been imprisoned. Somebody who's, who's been shipwrecked, who's been beaten. Somebody who's, whose renown has, has, has been like a ripple effect across uh, Asia Minor. Throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and, and Turkey, modern-day Turkey, people know who he is. In the Roman Empire, the Christians all know that Paul is the one who is opening the door to the faith for the Gentile church. And yet, here is Paul saying, 
I want to reach out to you, church, because I want to be encouraged by your faith. I'm not coming just to be the one who's got it all figured out. I'm coming so that there might be an exchange. Who do you have in your life that is alongside you that, that rather than competing with them, you might be more of a collaborator? You might see that there could be more of an exchange if, if the barriers of competition and comparison might be lowered. What kind of exchange might be possible? What kind of not only encouragement, but real, real counsel in your counsel of many? What peer group do you have that could be more intentional and active in your life to bring you the kind of counsel that you need? If only pride could be lowered. Jeff has been a, a good friend. He often not only uh, pauses to to write things down that I'm saying because he'll tell me that he's learning so much himself from, from, from his coaching me. He, 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 he pauses often to affirm me in the middle of it. And it's just, so, it's just such a great thing to, 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 to have that sort of cross-pollination going on. Here he is. He's planting churches in a Muslim-dominated area of France, and yet we're finding common ground. Who? is in your council of many. Do you have people behind you? Do you have people beside you? Do you have someone within you? Within you. That's Paul's third kind of counselor that he has. Within you. And of course, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Within you. Let me read to you from Galatians 1, verse 11. We go from, from uh, Romans 1, 11. To Galatians 1.11. For I would have you know that the gospel, the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It's not a message from man. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And you say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Revelation, you're saying that Paul received a word straight from God? Yes, I am. He said, well, are you saying that 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 can happen today? Does the Holy Spirit still speak to us today? Yes, he does. Now, I like to play this little trick on people, a little joke. People will ask me that question. Do you think that the Holy Spirit uh, speaks, still speaks to you personally today? And I say, oh, of course. He spoke to me this morning. And then I'll quote some scripture that I read. That's a joke. Do you get the joke? Come on, that was a punchline, people. Yes, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks through his word. But be careful that you don't miss that in Isaiah 9, 6, it says this. It calls Jesus the wonderful counselor. And Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, he says, I'm going away, but I'll be with you. Why does he say he'll be with, with us? Because I'm going to send to you a counselor who is the Holy Spirit. Now you say, well, Tim, you're getting sort of mysterious and mystical out there. I don't know. I've never heard an audible voice, and I don't know what you're talking about here. Well, that's okay, because I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about the fact that God guides us. A good friend of mine 
uh, that from, from years and years past, uh, used to go out to lunch with him. And he would, when he would pray, uh, he prayed the same way every time. It always struck me. He always said, Lord, lead, guide, and direct us. Lead, guide, and direct us. I always thought, well, that's sort of redundant. I mean, is it lead, guide, and direct? But then I started to think about it. You know, it, there, there are different ways that God impresses upon us his direction for our lives. Sometimes he engineers circumstances. Sometimes he puts people around us. Sometimes, sometimes there are events that turn us. Sometimes, though, sometimes through what we're reading and through the people that we're associating with and the way that we're growing, God does guide us, lead us, open doors, impress upon us the direction that we are to go. How does that happen? There is some mystery to it. There is some mystery to it. Now, here are the two directions that we can fall, uh, fall off this horse. You know, this, this idea that, that there is a wonderful counselor, that, that there is a voice that guides us within. We can go the other way and just say, you know what? God only speaks to the scriptures and that's it. You know, this was a special revelation, a special situation with Paul in Galatians 1.11. And, you know, it, it ended during the church age and when the canon was closed, that's it. Well, you can fall off the horse that way. You can also fall off the horse the other side and just say, like, like, uh, like some people will say, you know, uh, they confuse their conscience or their preference with the Holy Spirit. Very dangerous. The point, there's one point of today, and that is that you have wisdom in the counsel of many, many. The Holy Spirit isn't going to guide you, lead you, and impress you in a direction that everyone else around you who you've always trusted is saying, don't do that. <laughs> don't go in that door, right? Now, I've, I've, there, there are a couple situations across the country where there are two different people right now actively who are telling everyone that the Lord told me that. And what they're claiming God told them is completely at odds with Scripture. Completely at odds with what their family would have them do. Totally opposite of what their great counselors, the people they've always trusted, are trying to say to them. But they're saying, the Lord told me. Very dangerous. To, to think that we, on the one hand, have no access to the God of the universe who made you, who knows you, who understands you more than anything else, who guides this, who, who holds the universe and holds it all together, that we have absolutely no access to him? And are, you, are you serious? You're passing by moments unnoticed where he's guiding and leading you and directing you. But that Holy Spirit is not going to work in contradiction with his word and, and with the rest of your counsel of many. You have to be careful. You have to understand that there is a spirit that guides. There's a counselor of wonders. And we need to know his voice. We need to understand how he's leading. Even Paul himself, you know, there were the Bereans. The Bereans were always checking out what Paul said, right? Go back to, to Galatians 1.11. He says, no one gave it. This was a revelation of Jesus Christ. But the Bereans, he celebrated because they were always doing what? They were checking out what he was saying and seeing whether or not it matched up with, Christian, with, with, with Scripture. That's what these Christians named the Bereans. 
were. They were always measuring what Paul said against the other scriptures. So we have to have people behind us, beside us, within us. And four, you have to have, finally, people before you, people out in front of you, people who are coming after you, people that you're, you're bringing along, whose lives you're enabling, who, whose success you are authoring, you are empowering. You know you have power. You have great power. You're in grade school, middle school, high school, college, young adult, middle age, on up into whatever season of life you're in. You have tremendous power. The power to be a Barnabas. The power to encourage people. The power to speak life into people. You know, there's an there's a author that I like, John Eldridge, who uh, was telling a story about taking his boys rock climbing and... His youngest boy uh, was always trying to keep up with the, uh, the older ones, and the older ones were great at rock climbing, and he, he was always measuring himself up against the other boys. And, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the last child, you know, you're, if, you're a, if you're a last child, if you're, if you're the following the line of birth order and, and you're the, the youngest, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't always get the same kind of attention that everybody else gets, like the first child or the middle child, you know. And here's this young boy, and he's, he's scrambling up this rock, and, uh, and he belays on down, just repels on back down. And, and, and John Eldridge said something to him that, as a father to son that he thought was just sort of a throwaway line. He, he, said, he said, you are a wild man. You're a wild man. And it just sort of the moment passed, and later on that night around the campfire, his younger son said something to him and he realized this was a, a pretty special moment. He said, Dad, do you really think I'm a wild man? He recognized it. And he stoked that fire through kindling on it. He said, oh yeah, son, I, I believe you are a wild man. You were a wild man today. I was proud of you so impressed with the way you had such courage on that rock power not just father to son it could be an 8th grader in the life of a 7th grader a 3rd grader in the life of a 1st grader a sibling it can be a grandmother a grandfather incredible power that we have to bring significance to our own lives through this reinvented role you see, and, and what happens is you say, well, how does that make the person before us part of our counsel of many? Well, we learn. We learn. When we see people emerging in our midst and we can celebrate their success and celebrate what they're bringing and even in the ways that it may change us and change life for us, change our family, we benefit and we see this is the door of the future beginning to open, and I've had a role. You counsel of many, four different kinds of people. Who's in yours? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your guidance, for your leadership in our lives, both through scripture and through all these special people that we've, we've had around us for so many years, maybe gone unnoticed, maybe people we've forgotten. Father, bring to mind 
bring to our mind's eye those people that deserve a touch from us, whether it's people behind us, beside us, or before us. And for being within us, for showing our way, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the unspoken messages in what I've just shown you in these five different scriptures this morning is that we're called to life together. You know, if there's someone who is at home, uh, we've got a number of at-home members, and we'll go around and serve them communion uh, on weeks that we serve it here. And according to our book of order, we are supposed to take at least one other elder. If I go, I'm supposed to take one other elder of the church. And what that elder represents is you. Because communion, like the baptism, is to happen in the context of community. That we're called together. And so Jesus modeled that for us. He said, on the night he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, as he was eating with them, building community with them in a special way, he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And whenever you do, remember me. In the same way he took the cup and pouring it out, he said, this is a cup in the new covenant in my shed blood. Take and drink. And whenever you do, remember me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. A death that has brought us life. Not just life individually, but life together.